I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the icon of vacations. Icon of the seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Welcome to Speak for Yourself. It's your best hang of the day. We got a huge day in sports. Dak Prescott, well, I'll get to him. But first, Jimmy Garoppolo, the 49ers want to deal him. Huge, huge mistake. Why would you do that? We got to talk about that one. And also, Deshaun Deshaun Watson still has a looming suspension, but head coach for the Cleveland Browns, Kevin Stefanski, he says he needs to get Deshaun Watson ready to play. Makes no sense to me, but... We got to talk about that man, Dak Prescott. Remember what happened this offseason? Amari Cooper, he's out of there. He's in Cleveland with Deshaun Watson. Oh, so Dak Prescott desperately, desperately, desperately needs some help. Michael Gallup, well, he's still nursing an ACL injury. James Washington, who they acquired in free agency, he has just gotten hurt out for six to eight weeks. So Dak knows he needs some help, and he's about to tell it to you. Here's the sound. As I said, the young guys that we've got, the guys that we've already have that are going to step in and take on bigger roles, um, I continue to say exciting, but but that's what it is. Uh, and, and the reason is, is because I feel like a lot of you and people don't know necessarily what, what these guys are, what these guys can do. Man, well, I am joined by co-host of The Herd, Joy Taylor, who will be with us along with Bucky Brooks. Don't get enough of Bucky Brooks, so good to have him as well. But starting things off. Dak Prescott, he knows he needs some help. Can he elevate his unproven receivers? I do not believe so. I think that the Cowboys are going to be in a world of trouble this season. And here's the reason. Even when Dak does have the ability to elevate his unproven receivers, remember Michael Gallup drafted in the third round by the Dallas Cowboys. By his sophomore season, he had a 1,000-yard season. It was 2019. Everything was going great for Michael Gallup. Dak Prescott elevated Michael Gallup. But what did the elevation of Michael Gallup do for Dak Prescott or the Dallas Cowboys? Because in 2019, Dak Prescott actually missed the playoffs. Can Dak Prescott help elevate these unproven receivers? Well, maybe. Remember last year, Thanksgiving Day, watched by the most people in a regular season since 1993. 35 million viewers. Cowboys leading receivers, Cedric Wilson, Michael Gallup. They balled 100 yards each. But the Cowboys still caught an L. So... Can Dak Prescott elevate his unproven wide receivers? Yeah, I fervently believe so. I definitely think he can. But the real issue for me, even if he does, what does that truly mean? Now, Bucky Brooks, you and I have had elongated debates about Dak Prescott and the elevation of the wide receivers. Do you even believe that Dak Prescott can, in fact, elevate those unproven receivers? Oh, absolutely. He can do that. I think he certainly can get those guys to play at a high level. Bunch of no-names, right? Outside of C.D. Lamb, we don't really know what they are. Dalton Schultz, he can be a player. But 
To me, I think this might be a blessing in disguise for the Dallas Cowboys because I believe for the Cowboys, fewer passes, more runs, better recipe for winning. Because when you go back and you look at the see how the Cowboys have traditionally won, it has been on the backs of the offensive line and the running game with a complimentary passing game helping them out. But what happens sometimes is Kellen Moore gets enamored with the passes. They want to throw the ball all over the yard. It looks good on the stat sheet. Kellen Moore is trying to get his resume right for the next job. But it works to the detriment of the Cowboys and their success. But now, with all the injuries on the perimeter, he can't go to Mike McCarthy and say, hey, this is a game, Coach. I think we got to throw 65-35. That needs to be the ratio. No. Now it's more Zeke, more Tony Pollard, more offensive line play. That, to me, is the best recipe for the Dallas Cowboys. Have but then it seems like you're saying this, that it wouldn't be wise for Dak Prescott to even try and help elevate his receivers. Instead, he should lean on to the running game. Is that what you're trying to communicate? Well, I'm saying that would be better. But you asked me, is he capable of, of elevating them? Yes, he is capable because that's what elite quarterbacks do. They raise the level of play of everyone around them. And so when Dak Prescott is an elite quarterback, Fair. yes, I'm willing to bank that he can get them to play. But for them to play to win, it needs to be Zeke and Tony Pollard that are leading the way behind that offensive line. Bucky Brooks, I cannot tell if the lack of notes is a lack of preparation or if the lack of notes just means you are so uh, Jay-Z. Jay-Z. It's like Jay-Z. When Jay-Z goes into the booth, we don't need all that other stuff. We just come with it. <laughs> okay, well, um, I guess you're Jay Cole because Joy's in the booth <laughs> with all her notes. Talk to us, Jay. <laughs> Um, I was a little nervous with Bucky because Bucky and I generally do not agree on anything when it has to do with the Dallas Cowboys. And I agree with everything. Are you coming over? <laughs> you coming yeah. over on this side? Well, I appreciate it's, it, Joy. There's two questions here. Is he capable of elevating unproven wide receivers? I think you made the case that he is capable of it. But does that mean that they're going to win? No, it doesn't. It, I mean, they'll, they'll win, you know, they'll win the division. They love to win the division, the Dallas Cowboys. They love a divisional, you know, championship. <laughs> Postseason is a different conversation. To Bucky's point, if they are going to be successful, it needs to be a run-first offense. That's what we've seen the Cowboys, as of recent, with Dak Prescott, have the most success. And I, I say that not as an indictment of Dak Prescott, because that's always what it lands on. Mm -hmm. It's always like, well, they run the ball first, so that means Dak Prescott is an elite quarterback and he's not capable of, winning the, of leading them to a Super Bowl. What quarterback in the last 26 years has been capable of leading them to a Super Bowl? None. Zero. So that doesn't matter. What's the conversation? Is he capable? Can we see it? Is he a confetti mm -hmm. guy? I believe he is, and I know that he's capable of elevating unproven wide receivers. I don't feel great about their wide receiver situation, but I think that the offensive line and the running game are the most important thing to this particular offense. The Cowboys have a tier two offensive line, according to Pro Football Focus. They're ranked in the preseason rankings at sixth. That's pretty good. The Eagles, Browns, Lions, Bucks are listed as tier one. If they have a solid offensive line, if they can run the ball, not mm -hmm. necessarily all on Ezekiel Elliott or all on Tony Pollard, I think it will be a running back by committee situation. But if they can rely on the running game and good offensive line play, that allows Dak Prescott more time. It allows Dak Prescott to distribute the ball, but they don't have to rely on their receivers as much. And they do have a number one wide receiver. CeeDee Lamb was the number one wide yes. receiver last year. Amari Cooper was just he was. He, no, 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 like, don't, don't, ignore the, yeah. the eye rolls and stuff over there. Like, we're, we're that good. Wasn't a, that wasn't a question. Like, the statistics support what I'm saying. Yeah, he's no more we, we, we operate in facts on this side of the table. He was the number one wide receiver. He will step into that role perfectly because he already <sighs> did it. Amari Cooper is obviously the bigger name and the mm -hmm. veteran and was being paid more. But I, I'm not concerned about him. I'm with Bucky. Offensive line, run first. I have um, a question about something you said. Joy, I know that um, you have a diverse friend group. You have a diverse mindset, all the things. But surely 
You've gone out with friends before and you've had to say this to one of your friends, one of your homeboys, one of your homegirls. Hey, just don't really talk a lot when we're, <laughs> right? You've done that before, surely. Yep. Um, you typically have to do this if you don't trust what might come out of your friend's mouth. You typically have to warn your friend like, hey, when we're here, just speak like as little as possible. You do this because you don't trust your friend. If you were telling Dak Prescott, a quarterback, hey, let's just depend on the running game. Let's just, hey, when we're here, let's just depend on Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. You typically do that because you don't fully trust your quarterback. We never told Peyton Manning, as great as Edron James was, Hall of Famer, Edron James, as great as Edron James was, hey, hey, Peyton, this game, let's, just, let's depend on Adrian. We never told Tom Brady. And remember, LeGarrette Blunt led the NFL in rushing touchdowns with 17 when he was playing for the Patriots. We never said, hey, Tom, just, just, just depend on LeGarrette, if you will. The Chiefs traded, or excuse me, drafted in the first round a running back, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, the year after they won the Super Bowl. A national championship running back, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And you never heard us say, hey, hey, Pat, Patrick, Patrick, just depend on Clyde. But we say... For the Cowboys to be successful, you gotta depend on the running game. I find fault in that. I think that is an indictment on Dak Prescott. How can you say that it's not? Well, I think it depends on what you measure success in. They had a successful regular season last year. They went 12 and 5. They had the number one offense. Mm -hmm. And where did it land them? They lost in the first game of the playoffs. True. So if your measurement for success is winning the division and having a nice regular season, then yes, you can pass the ball first. You can be tied for first in passing yards per game. You can have the number one offense. That is, that is success. For most teams, that is a great year. But the Cowboys aspire to more. Mm. So the facts tell you that if you want to win in the postseason, that you need to be run first, pass second. That does, that's not an indictment of the quarterback. It, different systems le lean towards different things. Nobody's yelling at Kyle Shanahan about this. Mm -mm. Would, you, would you say that's a I pass like that, first I like offense? that point. I like that point. I love That's a phenomenal point. Uh -oh. let's, let's look at all of us. Uh -oh. The reason that's such a phenomenal point is because there are two types of coaches, Bucky, you know this, you played in several systems, I would believe. There are coaches who say, hey, y'all are going to run my system regardless of the talent. Mm -hmm. And then there's a coach that says, you know what, based upon my talent, I'm changing my system. Mm -hmm. My talent's just so good, right. I got to change my system. You don't look at uber-dominant, talented quarterbacks and make them be run first. You're exactly right with Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy G, but Jimmy G is the most debated quarterback outside of Dak Prescott in all of football. Keeping in mind, Jimmy G, since 2019, last I checked, leads the NFL in yards after catch, meaning his receivers are doing more work than he is or than yeah. any other quarterback. Bucky, when you look at Dak, and, and I love the points that both of y'all are making, I truly think they are brilliant points, but when you look at Dak, isn't it some sort of condemnation on the fact that we know Zeke is declining? Zeke has been declining for five consecutive years, and you all are still throwing pennies into this wishing well, hoping that Zeke is going to be something when you got a $75 million, $160 million in totality, man. $75 million last year, man, in debt. I mean, so here, here's the thing. I fancy myself as an outstanding A-plus baker, right? Okay. Like, when I get in the kitchen and I'm going to make my peach cobbler look, it's going to make everybody at the table tingle. Mm. But the thing that I still have to do, even though I'm accomplished, award-winning, I still have to refer to my mom's recipe That's when fair. I look at it. That's fair. So when you think about the formula and the blueprint, when you go back through history of the Dallas Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys win when they run the football, 
whether they had Tony Romo or Troy Aikman or whatever, this is an organization that is built on the running game. And so when I look at the formula and the recipe that has worked for Dak Prescott, it has always been heavy dose of the running game, a sprinkle of Dak Prescott, great defense. When I think about, and I'm, I'm advocating for them to run the football, it's not just because of Dak Prescott. It's because when I run the football, I also protect my defense. Because remember, the defense takes the ball away. Yeah, but not but it's not a, yeah. we're going to stand up and win a slugfest point. defense. So now what I'm doing is I'm reducing the game. I'm protecting my defense. I got those dudes, Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs, being able to take the ball away. But I also have the ability to control it. So now I can set up the shots for my wide receivers. C.D. Lamb is my number one. Dalton Schultz is my guy that controls the middle of the field. Someone else will emerge. Remember, Michael Gallup coming off this ACL, maybe midseason he's able to do it. So we start out running to collect the dubs, to put us in a position to win another division title, to get another hat and T-shirt that you have. We got them all in the closet. (laughs) But then we get an opportunity to run the right way. So now when we get into the postseason, we're able to do it. I think that's what Mike McCarthy is saying to his coaches and telling Kelly Moore, now we're going to run the football a little more. Not so much Dak Prescott, not because he's not talented. I have a thought before I come to you, Jordan. My thought is this, because we always say – that the Cowboys, historically speaking, when they won, it was because they were run first. And that is true. Troy Aikman had Emmitt Smith, Larry Allen, amongst others. But I'm thinking, wasn't this more so a matter of the era than it was a matter of the Cowboys? Because remember, back in the day, you had Batman Green with even uh, the Packers. Like, it was a run-heavy league. Back in the late 90s, the mm-hmm. early 90s, the late 80s, you had the Nigerian nightmare for the Kansas City Chiefs. You had true bulldozers. Now it's spread all the way around. It was, I don't know if that was as much the Cowboys formula for winning as it was the NFL's formula for winning. But the NFL's formula for winning joy to me has changed. Now the NFL's formula for winning. The Kansas City Chiefs literally went down the field in 13 seconds to beat the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills had over, I think, 400 yards or 380 yards passing in a game in which they lost. The formula for winning is passing. Can the Cowboys try to zig when everyone else is zagging and actually think that's going to be a formula for winning? Well, I'm not saying it's not concerning. I am concerned about their wide receiving core, but they had Amari Cooper and they had CeeDee Lamb last year. They had this and Cedric Wilson. They had a Mm -hmm. solid receiving core last year, top of the league, some would argue, and it wound up doing what for them in the postseason? Nothing. Nothing. So you can argue both ways. I do agree with you that the league has shifted more towards wide receivers. We're seeing the money shift towards wide receivers. We're seeing examples like you just gave of the Chiefs going down the field in 13 seconds. That was wide receivers. But I don't think that negates the necessity for a solid run game. And to Bucky's point, if you're playing balanced football, you can't just throw the ball the whole time. You've got to be able to keep your defense, the, the other team's defense honest and give your defense a break, which the running game does do. By the way, I don't know if I believe you on this peach cobbler. We've worked together a lot. I know. And you I, 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 I never had one book. Like, book one time. Because I know one time. I know both of you guys. Like, you are a fitness fanatic. You also work with the trainer. So I'm not trying to be the guy that brings you on the bad side. I don't want – look, I – Trying to keep everybody fit. Bucky, now you know that you, you know you're lying. Self-handicapping 101. <laughs> oh, God, Bucky, Bucky, you owe me some cobbler. Speaking of being owed, the 49ers owe Jimmy G a little more respect, in my opinion. Coming up, we're going to tell you if the 49ers are going to deal Jimmy G, but who should they deal him to? But first, Deshaun Watson's future. We already know what's up in the air, but we have to talk about the huge mistake that the Browns might be making. It might be the most pivotal mistake they're making all season, getting Deshaun Watson ready to play. 
with a looming suspension. That's next. Speed. Hell, Bucky, if I don't get some cobbler by tomorrow, I swear. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. <laughs> we all know the drama that is going on in Cleveland. Deshaun Watson suspended six games, but then the NFL appealed the suspension. Now what is going to happen? Well, head coach Kevin Stefanski saying, regardless of the appeal, I got to get my guy ready to play. He's saying, quote, we got to get Deshaun ready to play. Now the backup quarterback in Cleveland is Jacoby Brissett, which is what tells me, Stefanski, what you doing, big dog? Deshaun Watson's already suspended six games. We know that. At minimum, it's going to be a six-game suspension. Those six games, very winnable games. If your backup quarterback is ready for action, Jacoby Brissett being the backup quarterback, there's only one thing worse than your starting quarterback going down. Your starting quarterback going down with no heads up. See, your starting quarterback being hurt, being absent, if you know he's going to be absent, Bucky, you know it's not the worst thing in the world because during the practice week, the backup quarterback can get the reps. The worst thing that can happen to an NFL organization is when your starting quarterback goes down and the backup has no idea because the backup doesn't get the necessary reps. The Browns. They're not in the worst position in the world. Deshaun's going to miss time, and you know he's going to miss time. But you make the position you are in excessively worse if you still choose to act as though that Deshaun's not going to be absent. Get Jacoby Brissett the starting reps that he needs because in the first six games of the season, enjoy, you know this, we talked about it last week. You play Mac Jones, Baker Mayfield, Marcus Mariota, you Zach Wilson. You play a bunch of guys you can beat. Yes, you, Jacoby Brissett, you can beat. So I think that the most pivotal mistake the Browns are making this offseason, as it pertains to not counting the Deshaun lawsuit, the most pivotal mistake you can make is assuming Deshaun going to be there when you know he's not. Joy, what say you? Are the Browns making a mistake getting Deshaun ready to play? Are the Browns doing something incorrectly? <laughs> I wonder, have we ever heard of this? I actually don't because I think that they're banking on the NFLPA suing and him playing week one. Hmm. I mean, that's on the board still. We don't know what the NFL is going to come back with as far as suspensions. We know they wanted a year suspension, tried to negotiate to 12 games, and Deshaun Watson's camp reportedly turned that down. So now we're sort of in limbo about what the actual suspension is going to be. I anticipate if it does end up being a year, the NFLPA has said that they're going to fight it. That would mean Deshaun plays week one. Well, now you're in a whole different situation. He could play all year, and the suspension could be pushed off. What you don't want is to have Deshaun Watson available week one in this scenario and he not be ready. ready. Wow. He hasn't played football in a year. 
So you, you've got you've to get him in game shape as close as you can and have him be prepared and ready in this system if that does happen. Because if it doesn't happen, you're punting on the year anyway. <laughs> I like Jacoby Brissett, and, they, and, and their roster is obviously a, a, a good roster that if everything falls in place, they could win right now. But the Browns went into this situation very much knowing what they were getting with Deshaun Watson in these cases and the situation with the NFL. They didn't know how it was going to play out, but it was High on the board, he wasn't going to be available this year. So they couldn't have had ridiculous expectations of this year to begin with. It was all basically in limbo. So to me, if there's a chance that Deshaun could play week one, which if the NFLPA does fight it, he will, you got to have him ready to go. Because if not, what are the expectations for the year anyway? Like that point. No, you got to get him ready to play. He hasn't played in a full season, and there'd be six games at a minimum they won't have an opportunity to play. So now what you want to do is you want to take the preseason to knock off some of that rush. You want to get him game action. You want to get him game ready. And even though it will be a long sabbatical before he's able to return back to the field in regular season, Deshaun Watson needs to get some live action. Game speed, complexity of the defense, he has to go through it. So to me, Kevin Stefanski is doing right, at least through game one. Let Deshaun Watson get the reps. Let him run with the ones. But now, preseason games two and three, now this has to be Jacoby Brissett's show because you have to get him ready to play the regular season opener. You know what I don't have a lot of grace for, Joy Taylor? What I don't have a lot of grace for? Um, I don't have a lot of grace for, you know, quarter billionaires. I don't. Reason being, if we're paying you in excess of $150, $200 million, then you are going to lose certain luxuries. Dak Prescott, he lost the luxury of Amari Cooper, salary cap. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, he lost the luxury of Tyree Kill. Many could argue that Aaron Rodgers lost the luxury of Devontae Adams, though allegedly the Packers match, but remember, Vegas state tax a little bit cheaper. Deshaun Watson, if you're making $230 million, I need you to ball as soon as I give you a call. Like the second I call you to play, I need you to ball because who else hasn't gotten reps? Jacoby Brissett. You notice, Joy, Jacoby Brissett only started five games last year for your Miami Dolphins. Mm -hmm. Jacoby Brissett hasn't started in nine months. So he, too, needs repetitions and more repetitions, I would say, than the $230 million man. Because the $230 million man, we're paying you that much money because you a baller. When you step on the field, I need you to ball. That's what Deshaun Watson did his rookie year. He didn't start week one, y'all. I believe it was Tom Savage. Correct me if I'm yes, wrong, Bucky. Yes. Yes. I believe it was Tom Savage one half. that started the first half yeah. of Deshaun Watson's rookie season, the first half of the first game. Not to be confused with the first half of the season. Deshaun, being the baller on the football field that he is, stepped in and through six weeks mm -hmm. was an MVP candidate. So while I hear you, Joy, I just don't know if I can fully agree because I'd rather put my eggs in the Jacoby Brissett basket and hope Jacoby Brissett can win me four of the first six games, five of the first eight games. You're shaking your head. Why? Because they didn't, they put the whole farm in the Deshaun Watson basket. It wasn't some eggs. They got the horses in there and the yeah, cows and the right. feed, the barn. All of it is shoved into this basket. So whatever you have to do to make that work, you got to do it. That's that was the exchange that the Browns made in giving Deshaun Watson this contract and bringing him in in the midst of this situation. So yes, in theory, you're probably right. If this was a different circumstance where he was coming off of an injury or some other type of personal situation, maybe that would be the case. But there's too much on the line here for the Browns with Deshaun Watson. Yes, does Deshaun need to come in and be the greatest player in the history of the NFL? Yeah, he does. And if he doesn't <laughs> live up to that in this contract, it's, we're going to talk about it mm -hmm. because that's how it goes when you get paid that way. 
But that doesn't mean that you can't and can't and should do everything that you can to put him in a situation as an athlete mm-hmm. to excel. Bucky, the Browns have one of the most talented rosters in all of football. Disregarding the quarterback, they have a fairly stout offensive line. Now that they have Amari Cooper, they have a good enough receiver. On the defensive end, Miles Garrett, Jadavian Clowney, uh, uh, Ward, Denzel Ward out there at the cornerback position, getting healthier at safety, have one of the best teams in ball. But their other star running back, Kareem Hunt, he recently was like, yo, I want a new contract. I might hold out if I don't get this new contract. There's a lot of drama going on in Cleveland. $230 million quarterback, 24 civil lawsuits. Star running back, I want a new deal. Can head coach Kevin Stefanski, who would be going on his third year now in Cleveland, do you believe that he can hold that team together? Oh, absolutely. I think he can hold it together because this team is super talented. This team understands what they have and potentially what they could be uh, this season. With or without Deshaun Watson, I believe this team is one of the teams that's going to battle for a a playoff berth. When I think about their defense and what they have with Miles Garrett and how he's able to single-handedly dominate the game on the edge, I think about the offensive line and the running game, being able to run the football. So regardless of whether Deshaun Watson is available or if Jacoby Brissett is on the center, this is a team that is going to move the football. Uh, I think the one thing that you worry about if you're Kevin Stefanski is, okay, at what point do we need to move on from Deshaun Watson getting him ready to play and talking about it? And when can we rally behind Jacoby Brissett? Once they turn their attention to let's make this offense Jacoby Brissett friendly, I think they'll be fine. This is a team that is legit. You look at their roster from top to bottom, look, it screams that they should be a Super Bowl contender. Joy, you've been hypercritical of the Browns for, I don't know, all of your life now. Uh, <laughs> so you've been hypercritical of the Browns. Kevin Stefanski, he is going to be hyperly criticized coming into this season. He has a lot on his plate. Can he hold the Browns together? Well, I've been hypercritical of them because in the last 20 years, they've had 14 different <laughs> starting quarterbacks and 11 different coaches. One playoff win and two playoff appearances. So I've been uh, very right about being <laughs> of the Cleveland Browns. This is not, it's not that outlandish. I like Kevin Stefanski. I mean, coach of the year. He, he's been the only stabilizing factor there. You can argue Baker Mayfield, but he ain't there anymore. So it, to me, it was Kevin Stefanski. But I don't know how anybody could stabilize this organization. I mean, mm-hmm. we talk about teams being noisy going into the season. There is no noisier organization than the Cleveland Browns going into the season. You guys know this. It's a lot. It's a lot to be prepared for an NFL season. It's a lot to get your mind and body ready for this haul that is coming up. There's a million moving pieces within an organization. The last thing that you need is a distraction of this magnitude. And then you add Kareem Hunt into the situation. So I have no expectations for the Browns this year. I don't know how anybody can with Deshaun Watson there or without him there. Yes, they have a talented roster. We've talked about plenty of teams that have talented rosters on paper. It takes more than talent to win in this league. You look at the division alone, you have tough opponents in the division. You've got to start there. You've got Cincinnati coming off of a Super Bowl visit mm-hmm. with their qu- quarterback who, who led them there. You have Lamar Jackson and the Ravens coming back healthy. I don't know what my Steelers are going to be, but there's still Mike Tomlin there. So this is no walk in the park type of situation to begin with. You can talk about the talent on the team and how it's all going to mm-hmm. come together, but they've got a lot to overcome. And I wouldn't put this at anybody's feet. I mean, it's the Cleveland Browns. What are we talking about here? Bucky, I can't wait to hear what you have to say in response to what I'm about to say. I don't think Kevin Stefanski will be able to hold the Browns together this year for one primary reason. In NFL locker rooms, you are allowed to have special treatment for your stars, Mm -hmm. but your stars have to continually earn that special treatment. I remember in Philadelphia, Jason Peters, he got all the special treatment. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. While I was in Philly, Jason Peters was that dude. Enter Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson is going to get special treatment in Cleveland. 
but he hasn't necessarily earned that special treatment that he is clearly going to get. He didn't play all of last season. That's number one. Number two, he has no relationship nor rapport with the Cleveland Browns players nor the Cleveland Browns organization. So when Kevin Stefanski is giving Deshaun Watson first team reps or worse, when he's giving Deshaun Watson the day off, some of the Cleveland Browns players like Kareem Hunt might be looking like, hey, coach. I've done more for you in your career than Deshaun Watson has. So how are you giving him special treatment? I think the issue Kevin Stefanski is going to run into is trying to moderate all of the egos in that locker room because Deshaun will get special treatment, but he hasn't earned it in Cleveland. That will lead to a major rift. What do you think? It could lead to a major rift if he doesn't handle it the right way. But I think there's one caveat when it comes to all teams. The franchise quarterback is different than anybody else. Mm. The franchise quarterback gets certain privileges that mere mortals don't get. They get all the money. They get to come and go as they please. They kind of are handled with kid gloves when it comes to competition and who we put behind them as their backup. If you are a franchise quarterback, you are treated almost like the president. Mm. And so for Deshaun Watson, the Browns have, have really done anything and everything they could to make sure that he is comfortable. And so now the payback is when he gets his opportunity to play, he is going to play at a high level. That's the expectation. That's why you're paying him all the fully guaranteed money. He has to do it. And so no matter if he's out six games, eight games, 10 games, 12 games, when he shows up, the expectation is that the Browns are going to win. That's on Deshaun to make it happen. But it's also on Kevin Stefanski to make sure he's prepared to handle the weight of those expectations. Well, it's time to go from Kevin to Kevin. Stefanski to Durant. I didn't want to talk about it, y'all. I didn't want to talk about it. But we got breaking news right before the show. Kevin Durant had a meeting with owner Joe Sy of the Brooklyn Nets. And there were some very interesting words. Kevin Durant gave the Nets an ultimatum. What's it going to take to keep him in Brooklyn? We'll talk about that next. Speak for yourself. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperice.com. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. After one of the greatest games in recent memory, the MLB returns to the place where dreams come true. Relive the magic when the Rebs take on the Cubs for one game in heaven. One game at the Field of Dreams. Coverage begins Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern on Fox and the Fox Sports app. Well, welcome back to Speak for Yourself. Now, y'all know if y'all been hanging with us early in the show, we talked about Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott. Was there a better chance that he would elevate his receivers or that the receivers would bring him down? Intro the segment, Better Chance, where I talk about two options and we got to decide what has a better chance of happening. Well, quarterback drama in Carolina brought Baker Mayfield into Carolina, even though Sam Darnold was already there. So now begs the question, which one of these two former first-round picks is going to start, Joy? Is there a better chance that Baker Mayfield wins the starting job or Sam Darnold? 
Baker Mayfield's going to win this job. He's a better quarterback than Sam Darnold when he's healthy, of course, which we are anticipating he will be. But also you have to consider that owner in Carolina is getting impatient, and rightfully so. He wants to see some winning. He wants to see some action. We know what Sam Darnold is at this point in his career. And Matt Rule's got to do that. He's got to do some winning this year. He might have that long contract, but he's in the hot seat. So I think they go with Baker Mayfield, and I think he will actually win the job as well. Oh, my gosh, you guys, man. You guys are just so ready to give it to Baker Mayfield. Sam Darnold's going to win the job. Sam Donald's on the inside track. He's had more opportunity. He has a relationship with the players on the team. They love him. He is going to be the guy that runs out the tunnel. When they start week one against the Browns, it's Sam Donald. Well, let's fly on over to Washington and talk about one of my favorite quarterbacks, Carson Wentz, in his third team in three seasons. Now, that's not good, but Carson Wentz is. At least he is, in my opinion. I get it. He's had some accuracy problems, but who hasn't? It's training camp. Bucky Brooks, I'm afraid to ask you. I genuinely am. I'm not entirely sure I want to hear your answer, but they pay me to do a job. Is there a better chance that Carson Wentz finishes the season as the starter or gets bench? Come on, man. When you ask these questions, you already know the answer. He is going to end up on the bench. He's going to end up on the bench, not necessarily because of his performance and his talent, but just because of the lack of leadership. I think at some point, the commanders are going to look around the huddle. They're going to wonder, man, I understand why this dude moved on from Philly. He moved on from Indy. He is not going to get us over the top. I think Taylor Heineke will be the quarterback that starts for the commanders near the end of the season. I agree, Bucky. I've never been a huge Carson Wentz guy. It's always, oh, Carson Wentz, so much bigger ceiling than Dak Prescott. Where are we now? Where are we now? What did you just mention, Emmanuel? He's on his third team in three seasons. Look, he has talent, but the leadership, the recklessness. After a while, the market tells you what you are. He is where he is for a reason, and I anticipate he will be on the bench at some point this season. Carson, disregard the market. I will tell you who you are, and you are still my hero. <laughs> All right, we got to move to L.A., well, the city we in. Quarterback Justin Herbert, God, dog, he gets so much hype. But with all that hype, he ain't got no playoff appearances in his first two years. So now I'm a little bit confused. Is Justin Herbert as good as everybody makes him out to be or not? So, Joy, let's talk. Better chance that Justin Herbert makes the Super Bowl or misses the playoffs. Does Justin Herbert still play for the Chargers? Yeah, there's a better chance he misses the playoffs then. It's not about Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert has unbelievable talent. He is, uh, he's an amazing quarterback. He's on a skyrocket flight to the Hall of Fame. We all know that, right? Everyone has anointed this situation. I'm not being sarcastic. I love Justin Herbert. And I love the pieces and the moves that they made. But I got to see them actually take a step into the playoffs before we start talking about going to the Super Bowl. Now, it's not impossible. You saw Joe Burrow do it with Cincinnati Bengals, who are a traditionally dysfunctional organization, taking them to the Super Bowl. But you also have to consider this division, which they got to get out of first. And it is an impossible division, one of the craziest we've ever seen in the history of the NFL. So if you're giving me a choice, I'm going to say they're going to miss the playoffs. Oh, no, 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 no. The L.A. Chargers are getting ready to go to the Super Bowl behind this superstar quarterback they have in Justin Herbert. We can talk about the division and all those other quarterbacks, but by the end of this year, we might be talking about Justin Herbert being the best quarterback in this division. He's the real deal. They got playmakers galore. They're fixing the defense. This is the year that the Chargers are going to run. We're going to talk about this Justin Herbert guy being really special at the end of the season. Oh, God. Well, we will see. I did draw two vastly different parallels. I think Justin Herbert will make the playoffs, but Super Bowl, ooh, don't think so. All right, we got to head to the NBA. A report says, and it came out right before the show, that KD had a face-to-face -face meeting with Nets owner Joe Tsai. This was over the weekend. KD reiterated he wants to be traded. He got to be traded, and he's not taking no for an answer unless... 
The Nets were to get rid of general manager Sean Marks and head coach Steve Nash. So here's what it comes down to, simply put. Kevin Durant said it's me or it's the GM and the head coach. You pick. Joy, let's talk real quick about KD. Is there a better chance that KD remains in Brooklyn or gets traded? So this is a very nuanced situation. There's a lot to consider here. And as you mentioned, this story just dropped on everyone right before the show started. I'm going to lean towards he's traded, but the market is really strange surrounding Kevin Durant. And I don't know what you do if you're the Brooklyn Nets. You've kind of already put all your eggs in the KD basket. You blew everything up. You already fired a coach. Do you really hate the directions the GM is going in? You submitted to everything with Kyrie this year. That didn't work out. You got Ben Simmons. I kind of feel like you've got to submit to Kevin Durant, but that's a lot to give to a player that just asked to leave, just asked to be traded. So at the end of the day, I do think that Kevin Durant is traded because at some point or another, Brooklyn has to establish some culture and direction and whether that's putting their you know chips behind Steve Nash and Sean Marks over Kevin Durant that might just be a statement of we're moving towards the future and building something without you because you don't want to be here Joy I am fervently confused not by you not at all by you by Kevin Durant y'all remember Kevin Durant got a five-year deal from the Nets after playing in 33 games Five years, 200 plus million dollars after 33 games. He was coming off of an Achilles. Ow. Coming off of an Achilles injury, played in 33 games, and he got 200 million dollars. A year into that deal, KD has the audacity to give the owner, the same owner that gave him a five year contract coming off an Achilles, has the audacity to give that owner an ultimatum? Say it's either me or the head coach? The same head coach that you, KD, recruited to some degree, at least that you signed off on. Joy, I can't make that make sense. I think that there's a better chance Kevin Durant stays in Brooklyn. I don't think Steve Nash is gone. I don't think Sean Marks is gone. I hope to the good Lord that Joe Sy puts an anchor down and says, hey, big dog, I've paid you. I gave you the players you wanted, the coach you wanted, you in the city you wanted to be in. What else could you possibly want? But they've mortgaged their future already with Kevin Durant. It's almost like, you know, you're down in Vegas, so you just you just keep going, trying to climb your way out. They're, they're already too far in this. So do you put your chips behind Kevin Durant again and, and submit to what he wants and see if you can play this out the next couple years of his prime, make it work with Ben Simmons and try and figure it out? Or you, do you just bail and, and take the L's and trade Kevin Durant and not necessarily stick with Joy, Sean Marks and Steve Nash, but just make a statement to take a step in a new direction? Let me ask you this. At what point as an owner, in your mind, Josiah is an owner, can you continue to let players dictate the way in which you run your billion-dollar oh, organization? Me or him? Are you asking me as an owner? Because I'm doing every, all of this differently. Uh, talk to me. What, what are you, Joy Taylor, doing? Well, I just think everything starts at the top. When I when I examine organizations in dysfunction, I don't look at the at the players. I don't look at the, the, the personnel people. Everything starts at the top. You yeah. set a tone from the top when it comes to sports organizations. How do you treat people? What kind of standards do you set? What expectations do you have as an organization? What kind of things do you provide as an owner to sustain success for the people that work for you. When you're constantly changing your messaging, when you're constantly changing personnel, when you're constantly shifting in whole other directions and not really sticking with any particular lane, 
it's confusing to the consumer, it's confusing to the media, and it can be confusing to players as well. KD might feel like, hey, I don't really know what the future is here. You had Kyrie, now you're out on him. James Harden isn't here anymore. I don't. What am I going to be able to provide to this situation? So I think the Nets just have no identity. And this might be a statement situation for the Nets and Joe Sy to say, hey, I do want to establish an identity. I'm not just going to submit to whatever anything is asked of me. I don't necessarily know if Sean Marks and Steve Nash are the guys, but they're the guys that I've picked. And I'm not just going to keep shifting the organization at every single women change. But they're in it now. So if you want to provide winning, if you want to take advantage of Kevin Durant being there, then you got to keep him and you got to let go of Sean Marks and Steve Nash. I think they should trade him. He's already said he doesn't want to be there. I hear what you're saying. I, I love the quote, if you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. Joe Sy, you got to stand up to Kevin Durant at this point in time. You've already given him five years, 200 plus million dollars. You've given him Kyrie Irving, or at least Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. You all are together. Ben Simmons is there. Kevin Durant, you've been given everything you wanted. If you don't want Sean Marks and Steve Nash today, who might you not want tomorrow? As I look at it, KD, you know what you signed up for. Just go ahead and ball out. At a minimum, you getting paid. So it can't be all that bad. All right, coming up, we got to go back to football. Jimmy G, he's still a 49er. But speaking of bad management, the Niners are trying to get rid of him. We are going to tell you which team would be a best fit for one of the winningest quarterbacks by percentage the NFL's ever seen. That's next. Speak for yourself. You're going to want to hear about these. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back. Let's talk about one of the biggest names in the NFL, that man, Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, technically, technically, he's still a 49er, but it's time to play a little QB matchmaker and check the temperature on some of the plausible teams he could end up in a relationship with. Hot, cold, maybe lukewarm. I got to get it started. Let's talk about the New York Giants because that is allegedly the team that he's most interested in and vice versa. Well, when I think about the Giants, Jimmy G, I'm hot on that one. Why? Because we know that Daniel Jones, as talented as he might be, he stays getting hurt, y'all. Stays getting hurt. So I'm hot on him. But, Joy, where are you on Jimmy G with the Giants? Broadway Jimmy, hot. Daniel Jones is not going to last the season as a starter, I believe, in, with the Giants. I don't think that that's what they have planned. This seems like the perfect situation for him. It's all about patience at this point. But I think that he is going to end up with the Giants, and I think this is actually the best situation for him. Ah, I'm lukewarm. They got Tyrod Taylor there. They don't necessarily need to bring Jimmy Garoppolo there. I told you, the off-injured Jimmy Garoppolo is nice. <laughs> I mean, he's an upgrade over Daniel Jones. I don't know how much better he makes them long-term. Plus, he doesn't have a previous relationship with the offensive coordinator to put this on so late. 
Uh, I don't like it. I'm, I'm, I'll pass on this. Lukewarm, lukewarm. I'm not a big lukewarm guy. I feel you. Got to move to the Steelers. Joy, I know this is your team. Well, one of your teams. I don't really know who your team is. You claim I am. Anyway, and moving to the Steelers. Jimmy G, Pittsburgh. I'm warm on it. They got Kenny Pickett. They got Mitch Trubisky. I kind of like Mitch Trubisky. Dude's been to two Pro Bowls. Dude's been to the playoffs twice, 25 and 13 when he was starting in, in Chicago. I don't hate him. So I'm lukewarm. But, Joy, where are you at? I know this is near and dear to your heart. I was born and raised in Pittsburgh, okay? So I always <laughs> love the Steelers, but I do rep Miami as well. It's complicated, all right? <laughs> but I'm warm on this. I'm with you. I, I think my, Mitchell Trubisky is fine as a bridge quarterback. I like the Kenny Pickett draft pick as well. If it's even, I would go with Pickett, but they don't need it. They also have Mason Rudolph there. It's already a crowded room. Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to change life in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm, I'm cool on this. I, I just don't I don't like it. Mr. Bisky's already there. You got Mason Rudolph. You got Kenny Pickett. How many quarterbacks we can bring? Wait a second, Bucky. Wait a second, Bucky. Wait a second, Bucky Brooks. Wait a second. I'm cool as a figure of speech. So were you using that as a figure of speech, or are you giving me a temperature? I'm like, giving is it temperature. cold I'm cold or on are you it. I'm cold on it. I'm cold <laughs> on it. Bet. I'm not you. feeling it. Thank I'm you. Hold on. Thank you. So, you know, Ebonics don't always fly on national television. <laughs> okay, keeping it moving, we got to talk about the Cleveland Browns. We know Deshaun Watson, he has a looming suspension. Besides Deshaun Watson, Jacoby Brissett, he ain't started in nine months. Only five starts last year for Joy's other team, the Miami Dolphins. So now, Jimmy G with the Browns. Ugh, frigid cold. These are freezing cold temperatures for your boy. Joy, where do you stay? Yeah, I'm cold on this as well. I don't think this is a good fit. It feels really desperate, although that's usually how the Browns do feel. So now that I talk to you, but I don't think this is a good spot for Jimmy Garoppolo. It's not a good division for a guy that has been injured a lot to Bucky's points. They've already got enough going on there with the quarterback situation. I don't think it works for anybody. Yeah, I, I agree with both of you guys. I don't think it works. I'm, I'm really cold on it to make sure my bonnets are correct cool. this time. I'm cold <laughs> on this situation. I don't like Jimmy Garoppolo going there. I think the Browns are okay with Jacoby Brissett already in tow. Okay, so we're all in unison there. Moving to Jimmy G and his team in the Bay where he currently resides. Not a bad place to live. Yo, I'm super hot on that. I'm talking L.A. temperatures right now hot on that. Why? Because Trey Lance, I get it, 49ers fans. You want him to be great. But we don't know yet if Trey Lance actually is great. What we do know is Jimmy G took you past the Cowboys last year. He took you past the Packers last year. And he took you to an NFC Championship game. And you want him gone? I think it's dumb. I'm hot on Jimmy G in San Fran. Joy, what's up with you? I am cold. Very, very cold on this. The coldest. You use three first-round draft picks to trade up and get Trey Lance. You got to give him an opportunity. Jimmy Garoppolo was out the door the moment that Trey Lance was drafted. It was only a matter of time. He didn't tell them about the surgery. That messed up the trade situation. I think Jimmy is very well liked in the organization. He's done a lot of nice things for them, but I think this is the end of the road, and you have to give Trey Lance a chance. If you bring Jimmy Garoppolo back again and Trey Lance doesn't start, you're just admitting that that was a, essentially a bust of a pick, which they can't do. I think both things can be true. I would say I'm hot on this, keeping Jimmy Garoppolo, but I'm also hot on Trey Lance being the starting quarterback. I want Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco. It's too hot right now. I want Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco because inevitably someone is going to get hurt and then you can trade him away and get the value that you want. So keep him in San Francisco. Trey Lance is the starter. When do, you want, when do you want Jimmy Garoppolo traded out of San Francisco? Clarify that for your boy. Okay, we can wait for the trade deadline. There's no need for us to move. Let's hold on to him until someone is desperate. We will get back what we want, but we have to be patient. Don't rush. It'll happen.
I feel you. I hear you on that. My thing is this. If you were going to trade Jimmy Garoppolo, you should have been traded him. It don't make sense to try to trade him now because you know what they say. Buy low, sell high. Selling Jimmy Garoppolo right now isn't as valuable because all of these other teams have their quarterbacks in place. Well, coming up, speaking of somebody that's out of place, one of the biggest programs in college football has a shakeup. I'm talking about Oklahoma because assistant coach Kel Gundy had to step down after reading a, quote, shameful word. Ooh, this is drama that you got to hear about. That's next. Speak for yourself. Can't wait to talk about this. It's time for a final thought. Huge shakeup in college football as Oklahoma assistant coach Kel Gundy stepped down after reading aloud a shameful word off a player's iPad. That is the what. Kel Gundy had to step down. Well, let's talk about the why. Many people think cancel culture has struck again. That's not in fact the case. You see, recruiting is the lifeblood of any major college football program, and Oklahoma is one of the greatest programs in college football. But why? Because they've had great quarterback play, four Heisman winners since the turn of the century. But you have to remember, Jason White Heisman winner had Mark Clayton. Sam Bradford had Ryan Broyles. Baker Mayfield had Hollywood Brown, and Kyler Murray had CeeDee Lamb. What's made Oklahoma great isn't the coaches, not even the quarterbacks, it's the wide receivers. So at the point in which your wide receivers coach says anything that may mitigate you from recruiting more of those dominant wide receivers, you have to make a decision. Kudos, Brent Venables. I don't condemn you. Right decision you made. That's it for us. We'll see you tomorrow.